engaged and inspired podcast. A simple warning, we may drop an F-bomb or other descriptive words just in case you have small children with you or are at work. We know many of you are planning right now from your cubicle. You've been warned. Be engaged and inspired podcast. And now your hosts, Kia and DJ Sam. Be engaged and inspired. This is DJ Sam. And this is Kia. And of course, it's Wednesday. And I'm sure you have a tip for us, Sam. Yes. Why? Because it's Wedding Tip Wednesday. And you can get Wedding Tip Wednesdays on our Facebook page. Yes. The Be Engaged and Inspired Facebook group page. And today's Wedding Tip Wednesday, try an unplugged ceremony. I like those. Have your officiant make an announcement that you wish your ceremony to be private and intimate. So no phones, no cameras, no electronic devices. They should all be turned off. Don't get out of your seat and take a picture and block the photographer. Please. We've heard of couples actually confiscating phones too as well. Big security burly guard that just takes the I don't think that's exactly correct. But anyway, so it's Wednesday and we have a special guest here with us. Very special. It's Mary Coburn from, I guess, Mary Coburn Officiants. How do I, how do I introduce you correctly? Mary Coburn Wedding Officiant. There oh. we go. <laughs> Hi, Mary. Hi, Sam. Hi, Kia. Hi. And so where are you located? Um, I live in Canton. Okay. And I travel all over Connecticut for weddings. Okay. And how long have you been a wedding officiant? I launched my website in 2009. Wow. And I went from basically doing one or two to full time. Um, I start, I did my first wedding ceremony in 2008, but it was really when I launched my website, then things really took off. It seems like you've been doing this a lot longer than that. Really? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Oh, well, you know, I, I haven't been, I've been in Connecticut about 13 years and I spent a couple of years studying to do this. But then really when I launched my website, I was, all over the place. It was really, it was exciting. It just took off. It took off. And, so, it, and it just let me understand how much couples, how much they wanted and desired personalized ceremonies. Yep. So Not there was reading such from a, a script. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So what were you studying that sort of got you into being an officiant? So what, what sort of sparked this whole journey? Right. Well, uh, in 2005, I did my father's funeral. And um, I realized in the moment of being up there in front of my community and talking about my father and his life, how important good ceremony could be mm-hmm. in facilitating change for people, whether that was facilitating change into the grief process or whether that was facilitating transition for couples getting married um, or babies, new babies, welcoming them into their community. But the role of ceremony, I realized in that moment how important it could be and they could actually promote healing for people, particularly in a memorial or funeral service. So I had that experience and I didn't know (laughs) what to do next. I was in New York City at the time and when I moved to Connecticut, I had the chance to start over and I thought, well, let me just keep my eyes and ears open 
I know it has something to do with ceremony. And a good friend of mine sent me an ad that she found in her husband's Toastmaster magazine. (laughs) And it was about the Celebrant Foundation and Institute, which is based in Montclair, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And it's a wonderful organization. And it teaches individuals about the nature of ceremony throughout history and then specializes in different areas of ceremony um, weddings and, uh, or funerals and memorials or family, uh, children ceremonies. So I studied for a year and a half with them. Wow. That's a long yeah, time. Yeah. It was a very rigorous educational training. So it's not it was, like you just went down to the town hall and were like, here, no. I'm going to fill out a piece of paper, pay a hundred bucks right. and boom, exactly. I'm efficient. Which, which is, is He's what done. you can do. Yes. You can yeah. get online and Ten dollars later, and ten minutes later, you can you can be legal. Yeah, and as long um, as you can read, you're an yeah, efficient. Right. Actually, I don't even right. know you have to read. And as long as you can name. speak. <laughs> <laughs> so it was wonderful. It was really wonderful training. Um, and then I remember doing my first ceremony and feeling that in some way my father had had kind of guided me into this by doing his funeral service. And I actually thought that I would be doing more funerals and memorials until I did my first wedding. And I thought, this uh, is this is, it. This this is, is it. definitely a happier, more of a celebration. Right. A funeral memorial, though, I find uh, the poignancy mm-hmm. really moving and being mindful around the grieving family and being able to offer help in that. I did trained in hospice care mm-hmm. and in grief support. So I had a fair amount of uh, experience with that. But when I did my first wedding, I thought, this <laughs> is what I want to do. And I never thought that I would uh. do that. I mean, I didn't really know that people did that. So, um, but I even think in your ceremonies, you're very mindful since I've been to a few, since you've done a few weddings together, you're very mindful of what the couple has asked. Absolutely. You're very mindful about the fact that sometimes you may need to have a religious aspect to it. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes you may not. Yeah. Right. Um, you pay attention to what their families have asked for. And I think that is a really important mindfulness no matter what. Absolutely. I mean, there are situations where, you know, typically I will always ask a couple if you have um, grandparents who've passed away or loved ones who've passed away, if they would like for me to honor them in the mm-hmm. ceremony. But sometimes there's been a recent death in the family, and we have to be really careful about that. Um, you know, sometimes the grief is too raw. Yes. And we do a more general kind of remembrance. So every couple is different, and every situation is unique. So that's where having my training, I think, comes in so handy. Well, it's the it's the bedrock, really, mm-hmm. of, of what I do. So after training through the Celebrant Foundation, um, I became an ordained interfaith minister. Okay. And it's important to know, because everybody thinks, oh, well, that means that I have to have a religious ceremony. No, yeah. it doesn't. <laughs> doesn't. Yeah. Um, I'm not a religious person. I became an interfaith minister so I could serve people of all backgrounds and beliefs, mm-hmm. so that if it's important that, that um, we honor part of their faith tradition. If they come from two different faith traditions, how do you thoughtfully weave traditions and rituals into the ceremony that's appropriate and that really celebrates them? Um, and their families. And their families. Uh, and, you know, many, many people come to me and say, I, we grew up uh, or I grew up in a Catholic family and 
my partner grew up in a Protestant family. It's not really part of our lives, but it's part of our family's lives. So we would like something lightly woven in. And that's what I usually do. Mm -hmm. People do not come to me for religious ceremonies. They come to me because I've made my reputation in this state by my storytelling. Yes. Yes. And that's really what I focus on. And I love the storytelling. I try not to know anything about it. So when oh. I know when you have like an interaction with the bride and groom or the couple and they're saying, oh, we're going to have our ceremony. Sometimes they'll say, hey, do you want to look this through? And I was like, nope, nope. it's Mary. Like, I'm, I'm good. I want to <laughs> listen to. I want to see it and hear it because I think it's just it's more meaningful. And I don't know. I most other people's ones I will read through, though. I I'm promise. delighted to know that. Yeah, we, I won't. And, I and every time that Jeffrey's been my associate for the same thing, he's we just listen. Oh, that, that that means a lot. And I'll be honest, sometimes I'll nick some of the stuff that you've said within the ceremony and do something later on with the bride and the groom. If it's something that's really poignant, yeah. um, I may mention it, you know, in between a song or something, I'll play a song and remember you did this. And because very few officiants do what you do. Well, and Sam, that's why you're so good at what you do, because <laughs> I think this is one of the powerful things about working with other wedding professionals who love what they do. This is a team effort. Absolutely. So when we get to pick up on themes that yeah. happen, I, I think that's just beautiful. And that adds to this kind of magic for a it couple. Does. Well, because that story that you've told was sort of their beginning. And then obviously they're getting married. Yes. And then the story continues. So you, Sam, being able to say something like this was, you know, your grandparents' first song or something like that that yep. you've shared because the grandparents have shared it with you or the couple has. It just sort of makes it way more meaningful. Yes, yes, it does. I think most of us grew up going to the same wedding yes. um, with just the names changed. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I do, I, this, this whole, uh, I guess it's a trend, to more personalized ceremonies and wedding professionals who are picking up on themes that perhaps the officiant has brought up and weaving those things into an, an experience not just for the couple, but for everybody, but for there. the families and all of the guests, so that they're leaving feeling that wow, this was this was great. This yeah. was not like I was expecting, or this was certainly not what I grew up with, or what, it wasn't my wedding ceremony. I wish I could get married all over again. <laughs> and it's not the same thing over and over and over again. Right. That they no, you can to... go to the town hall for that. Yes. yes. I'm just going to say that. But, yeah. <laughs> well, one of the nice things, too, is that you actually get people to listen and sort of focus in on the ceremony. I've been to, obviously, lots and lots of weddings, and I've seen ceremonies be over, and the guests are sort of confused that something just happened. Because it's so quick. Yes. Or they just say things and they're not actually yet paying attention because they're like thinking things just got started. They're probably turning their cell phones off, hopefully. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the ceremony is over. They're walking down the aisle and I've seen guests just fully shocked that, oh, oh it's over. They kissed and somehow there was a <laughs> ring exchange and I, you know, or if someone's arrived a few minutes late, they're, I'm always um, surprised when they come to me and they're like, so like everything's over. And I'm like, yep. And they're like, but we were literally like 10 minutes late. That makes me so sad. And I, and I know that that happens. It, it's such a missed opportunity. We have 30 minutes. And in that 30 minutes, it's amazing how much territory we can cover. Yes. And part of my training as a celebrant, we, we, um, we studied the hero's journey. So every 
every ceremony is essentially a hero's journey. There's a beginning, there's a middle, and there's an end. And there needs to be a really rich emotional arc that happens in that ceremony so that people feel moved mm -hmm. and they feel more connected to the couple. And, and so when we have wedding ceremonies or funerals or anything where people are confused and they don't feel that they have been emotionally engaged a missed opportunity this is a short life and yes we are connected by our humanity and our stories even though our stories may be different our humanity is is the connective tissue well, you also don't want your ceremony to feel like an afterthought it's actually the whole reason we're there for the day right <laughs> like something <laughs> actually happened um and you don't want it to feel like an afterthought and you do want that sort of interaction and I like it watching people actually like listen and pay attention and then you know not be on their phones right and I know not everybody knows everybody but the most of the people that you've invited I would hope that like 98% of them know a little bit but yes. might not know all of it and it's great to share that with them yes so now we will be back in just a few minutes to talk about ceremony do's and don'ts. Be engaged and inspired. We'll be right back. When your wedding entertainment has to have amazing music, be fun, organized, and professional, your choice has to be Atmosphere Productions. DJs, live musicians, custom lighting, and photo booths, as seen on the TLC TV series Four Weddings, winner of the Wedding Wire Couples Choice Award and DJ Times DJ of the Month. Experience the difference www.atmosphere-productions.com That's www.atmosphere-productions.com This is wedding celebrant and officiant Mary Coburn, and I always listen to DJ Sam and Kia on the Be Engaged and Inspired podcast. It's available free on iTunes or Google Podcast. And you should listen too. Engage Connecticut offers couples the opportunity to work with experienced wedding planners, one-of-a-kind wedding venues, along with design and wedding rentals. We plan real weddings for real couples. Located in West Hartford, serving all of New England. Look for us on Facebook and Instagram under EngageCT and at www.engagect.com. Marty Q here. Have you heard my new single, Try Love? It's available on iTunes. Download and listen today. Some knowledge belongs to us and us alone. The way our girlfriends walk, talk, touch their hair. Details that only a sister can know about her girls. But what about our other girls? The ones we carry with us every day. Our bond with our sister girls gives life. But knowing your breasts can save it. Go to knowyourgirls.org for the facts you need on breast health. Brought to you by Susan G. Coleman and the Ad Council. Now back to Be Engaged and Inspired with your hosts, Kia and DJ Sam. Be Engaged and Inspired podcast. Welcome back. This is DJ Sam with Kia. And we're still here with Mary Coburn. And Mary, what is your phone number and website address? We'll need to get that. I'm glad you asked, Sam. My, uh, <laughs> my website is marycoburn.com. Pretty and simple. My, very straightforward. <laughs> and my phone number is 860-519-4127. There we go. So that's Perfect. your contact information out yes. of the way. And I'm assuming that on your website, people can just click and email you? They can email me. Okay. Just just checking. No just. clicking anymore because I, somebody hacked into my website. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. So okay, well, well, they can good. email you. They can email you. Perfect. So we're going to talk about ceremonies, do's and don'ts. I have my sort of mindset of things that people shouldn't do and should do. And I think nowadays, though, so much has changed 
I don't think there's a right way necessarily to walk in or a wrong way to walk in. I do think it's important to pay attention to that family social interaction because families have expanded and we have divorced people and and things like that. So what what are those things that you say when you're meeting with a couple and they say, you know, my mom is divorced and she's bringing her boyfriend, but my dad is bringing his new wife and and I don't want them near each other. What? How do you sort of talk people through those types of difficult situations? Right. And I always ask those questions. And because I'm always involved in the rehearsal, and I always do, even even though the event manager or the wedding planner, event planner might would be doing this, I typically do it ahead of time. And that's the processional and yes. the first row seating so that we can correct any situation which might be uncomfortable, like mm-hmm. putting divorced parents right next to each other if the relationship is strained. Mm-hmm. So we talk about that. I suggest putting Sally between <laughs> them or a grandparent or some kind of buffer person so that the parents are sitting on the front row, which I think is important, but you have a buffer in between. I don't ever recommend putting a divorced parent on the second row because then they feel like second class citizens. It's just one of those things. It's a definite do not do. Right. They're looking at the back of of the head of their divorced wife or husband. (laughs) So that's important. I really try to find out about uh, family dynamics so that we can we can honor people, celebrate people in the in the context of the ceremony, but also deal with any kind of seating issues that might happen. And if something if if you know as a couple that you do have um, strained family relations, it's better to do all of that stuff beforehand oh, and yes. sort of leave it to the professionals where we just say, "I'm sorry, your name's on the list. This is how we're going down." That's not the time. To figure it out right where if you have a much more relaxed family situation sometimes we can go through a rehearsal and come back to the point and say oh you know what i think this would look better yeah but in a strained relationship that getting everything planned out beforehand is key it is it is and i and i really feel like by rehearsal day most of those decisions are 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 made yes. you know we can always tweak things and and alter things slightly here and there change the order but by and large, I like to have everything done and all the big decisions made so that the couple can enjoy themselves. Yes. You know, I'm not, I'm not showing up and saying, okay, how do you want to come down the aisle? You know, we've already talked about that. We know who's <laughs> <all> supporting. <laughs> um, we know what side people are seated on, et cetera. Yeah, I think the only changes I've ever really seen is like if somebody all of a sudden doesn't arrive for rehearsal because they're coming from out of state. Sometimes we've moved their place where they're being standing as a groomsman, mostly because we don't want them to be the first groomsman walking down and they don't actually get to be part of rehearsal. Right. So we might stick them in between other people because usually people do know how to line up, usually. One thing (laughs) I've, I've found is that couples will say, well, you know, a couple of our groomsmen or bridesmaids can't come, so we'll make sure to tell them you know, what they're going to do. And I say, no, you don't have to do that. That's why I'm here. (laughs) Yes. Or that's why you have an event planner. That's our job. So your job is to relax and enjoy the day. Mm -hmm. Um, I always get to a wedding an hour and a half early so that that I can deal with anything that needs to be done. I also never like to feel rushed before a wedding ceremony. I need to be 100% present, emotionally present. And um, if I'm rushing... I, I can't be that. I feel I feel stressed about that. That also gives me an opportunity to see how parents are doing and 
check in with the bride and groom or, or the couple. Um, and sometimes there's a little bit of hand-holding. Oh, lots of hand-holding. And one of the things I, I always tell couples when I meet with them is I see myself as their coach mm-hmm. and their advocate and their cheerleader. And one thing that I always ask is how do they feel in front of a crowd? Even though they're surrounded by people who love and support them, many people express anxiety about being up in front of people. The center of attention. Exactly. Some and people love it. Yeah, some, some people, people love it. it. And doing their vows and things like that. And and people will, I'm, I'm thankful that people are honest with me and candid. And if they, they have... They need to be. They they absolutely need to be. And, and I do really understand the whole nervousness situation. Mm-hmm. And I can really help them through it. I have tips and tools on being emotionally present on your wedding day. Um, and I and I send a little uh, document to them on exercises, breathing exercises and creative visualization. That's these great. were um, oh these were tools that I learned when I was in New York. I studied and trained trained as an actor and worked in the theater for a decade before I moved to Connecticut. And some of the most valuable tools I learned um, which I employ in all of my ceremonies is uh, is breathing mm-hmm. and being yeah. emotionally present and checking in with your body and where are you holding tension and letting that go. So I'm very... And don't lock your knees. Don't lock your <laughs> knees. But on the other hand, don't stand up there and jiggle them back and forth. Yes. Um, yeah. So I... Having done so many weddings, I can, I can, I know what to look for. And so every wedding I learn something new and it's, I write that down, you know, I, remember. <laughs> I think you touched on, on two important points. The first one was you arrive early. Mm-hmm. I have on my planning form, if I'm not uh, having an efficient that I know, I tell my clients, make sure your efficient is there 30 minutes At before... Least the actual ceremony because I can't tell you and I I had to put it on there for a reason because I kept getting so many officiants that would arrive 10 minutes before and then they wanted to do a sound check well I can't do a sound check when all the guests are sitting in there and you I have to check your microphones and stuff so I think that's very important point that you brought out that you arrive so early and you kind of massage the guests I also don't like being a wedding planner and having to find the officiant and or have to be able to they're like okay we're ready to go or if we know sometimes the weather doesn't always cooperate and the bride is like i still want to get married outside and we only have this amount of time before we can all see thanks to gps this beautiful cloud coming towards us and if i have to go find the officiant and they're not there because everybody else is there that's like the worst feeling in the world and i'm always trying to find the one person who's walking around with a folder because 90% of the time if it's not someone i've worked with before (laughs) even though i've called and checked in with them Sometimes officiants are doing other things and have other full lives. It's not their full-time job. And they don't come to rehearsal. I would say 80% of them don't come to rehearsal. And they should. And they should. And I mean, I can adjust and and go through it and figure it out, especially if I have a great detailed list. But I don't always have that from the officiant. Um, I also always get the question, I know that you've asked it too, is what's your last thing that you're going to say? Are you going to say, now I pronounce you blah, 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 and then they're going to kiss? Or do they kiss? And then you say, and now I present right. you. Because you need Sam to know when to play the music, or the musicians do. Processional. Right. I know I need to, where I have to run at that point in time. Right, right. But it's important, because... 
it's it's very important and and so many things that you all have just said touch on the importance of having a professional yes yes officiant yes um this is what i do and i cannot imagine showing up 10 minutes before <laughs> a wedding ceremony no uh, unless i had gotten stuck on you know i-95 right. but that's why i leave Can I knock so on wood early yes yeah, <laughs> let's all knock on wood yes. Um, but it's so important, and and I, uh, one thing that I always do, and this was uh, we we learned this through the Celebrant Foundation, you always connect with the other uh, wedding professionals who are associated with the mm-hmm. ceremony. I always touch base with Sam, and even though Sam is, or, and Sam is always organized and know ex- <laughs> knows exactly what, he what's happening. He sends you all of his list <laughs> yeah. of every single possible I, thing. I always write it down. What's the last thing I'm going to mm-hmm. say? Because, uh, you know, in thinking about how many weddings DJs do, it's all different, the mm-hmm. last thing that the officiant says. And how can, why should I expect them to remember? So mm-hmm. I write it down. Um, so that they know what the cue is and they can come in right after because i've had weddings where people kiss and then all of a sudden they're saying one last prayer right right and people yeah yeah, the ceremony continues the ceremony continues and you don't you're like ah wait what do i do it's uh, it's awkward it's it's not good planning Mm -hmm. that should never happen i agree um so that's why we all work so hard ahead of to make the schedule so that we can make sure that it's as seamless as possible and people feel that, you know, yes. they feel the satisfaction of seeing the processional come, you know, d- people coming down the aisle and things happening really lovely and a nice flow to stuff and a nice flow to the ceremony and the cues are happening on yep. time. Yep. And if there's rituals, that the ritual props are actually there yeah. and in the yeah. right place. And yep. you're not trying to light a candle in the in middle of a windstorm. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All of the logistics have been thought about. Um, I always uh, type up the vows for the couple if they've written their own vows. I never, I tell them, you're going to be in big trouble if you just think that you're going to bring your vows because they get lost. And then what are we going to do? So there's nothing worse too when they open up a folded tiny piece of paper that's been opened and closed. Right. And there's photos being taken (laughs) and it's just not attractive and... Right. And the and the paper is usually rustling in the wind. Yes. So I print it out on cardstock so it won't That's rustle in the wind and be heard and picked up by the microphone. And I hand it to them and then I step off to the side so that I'm literally and figuratively out of the picture. This is an important moment for couples. I love that. Yeah, and that's also a reason I stand to the side during all of the ceremony and I have the couple facing out. They're sort of in a V. Um, so I can stand to the side. I typically stand to the side of the groom because I don't want to step on any part of the dress. Mm -hmm. Um, But then everyone can see the couple. They can see me. I can see them. And they can see each other. And then when we do the vows, I have them face each other directly. And I think eye contact is so important. important. And I've done, we recently did a wedding. Um, You know, some couples will kind of insist on standing face-to-face during the entire ceremony. Mm -hmm. I find that awkward because over the years when when that's happened, I've observed them. They hold hands for a while. It's kind of like London Bridge. Mm -hmm. They've got their arms extended. (laughs) That lasts for about three minutes, and they're so uncomfortable. So they drop their hands, and then they get tired or feel silly looking at each other. (laughs) So they look at me, and they turn their head, and then nobody can see anything but the backs of their heads. So... I get that. 
but I do, I, I think I'm pretty successful at mm-hmm. telling a couple why this situation, why this particular setup works well. It changes the dynamic really well. People suddenly feel like I'm included in this. Mm-hmm. I can see them. Yes. So it's a really lovely dynamic. It works in the photographers and videographers love, they it, love it as well. well that's so. why everybody loves you. It's one of those <laughs> things. It's really simple, but it does make a difference. And it's a, like you said um, before, it's being mindful of everything that's going on. It's, it's a day, it's a celebration. It's not just something that you should rush through. You're going to be handing off rings and somebody might come and do a reading. I always sort of also like where you put people for readings. Um, once again, not sort of in anybody's way and everybody can hear. It's just a really important, meaningful thing when you're working with somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of that, let me just throw in one last uh, point before we wrap up. I can always tell a good officiant. You know how? Because right after you've asked everybody to stand for the processional and then the bride comes down or the, the one of the couples and then you're ready to start the ceremony, you actually ask them to sit. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know how many officiants forget that or they're not experienced enough to remember uh-huh. that you have people standing. I'm standing in the back at those types of yeah. weddings, oh, like trying yeah. to lower them. Like looks like I'm, I don't know, kneeling down I, to them. And I'm usually trying to contact, get the eye contact of the officiant oh, to right. sit them. Oh, and they're gosh. with their head is buried in the book. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, and well, so people feel they're they're being on their best behavior so they stand through the whole thing they'll stand or then you'll start to see some drop off and slowly go but none of it's even it's not great for photos well thank you so much for joining us today mary once again just share your website and your phone number marycoburn.com and my phone number is 860-519-4127 so remember you can download us for free on itunes and google play i hope you join us again next week and sam any parting words My parting words is don't forget to get our eight questions you must ask a wedding professional before booking them. A special report is free on our website. Learn how to shop like a pro from a pro. Go to our website, allthews.atmosphere-productions.com, and we'll see you next week. They'll listen to us next week. (laughs) The Engaged and Inspired podcast is copyright and produced by Atmosphere Productions in association with Engage Connecticut.